0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Footcandle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Footcandle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Footcandle Films here on TheMesh.TV. I'm Alan, this is Chris. Hello. Chris, how you doing? Doing good, ready to talk about some movies. Absolutely, same here. Here's what we've got lined up for today's episode. We've got two reviews of movies that you can currently check out in theaters, the film Prisoners and the film The Spectacular Now. After those film reviews, we're going to have a little bit of movie news. We're going to dip into our inbox and talk about some questions we got from some listeners. Uh, and then we're going to end up the show with our recommendations of a movie or something you can check out online that we think maybe you have missed in the recent past. But with that, let's go ahead and start off first with our first big review. This is the movie. Uh, it was just number one movie in the box office this past weekend. We're going to talk about it a little bit. It's the latest from the actor side, Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, uh, directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Is the, Sounds good. Sure, that'll work. Is the film *Prisoners*?
0: Mommy, can I take Joy to our house? Hey, wear a hat, please. You're just getting over a cold. Where are your sisters? I can't find them. Anna. Joy.
2: Wait, I checked the entire house. They're not here.
0: Dad, there was this RV, and they were playing on it. There was, we thought there was someone inside. Okay. Detective Loki. I'm gonna find your daughters. You put those girls somewhere else. No. I know you put those girls somewhere. Police said they're letting him go today. I know you know where they are. Where's my daughter,
2: Alan? You like roller coasters, correct? I love roller coasters. I'm not the biggest fan of roller coasters, but you mm-hmm. know I have been on a few. I usually get roped into them by my kids, and you know I've had varying degrees of enjoyment. Sure. With the film Prisoners, it was not a cinematic ride that I was looking forward to, okay?
1: It's a tough subject
2: matter. Tough. Tells the story of Keller Dover, played by Hugh Jackman, who on Thanksgiving Day has his daughter and her best friend, they they go missing. Yeah. Dover takes matters into his own hands as the police try to follow multiple different leads. They're headed up the police force by Jake Gyllenhaal, and pressure mounts and things kind of spiral out of control. Alan... What I want to know is, are you glad you took the cinematic ride, and would you encourage others to do so, assuming they meet the age and height requirements?
1: What what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, age and height requirements. Well, you're right. This was was a tough, tough movie for subject matter. Uh, It was one I honestly was not looking forward to. You and I both have kids. Yes. Uh, So I think any time I think as a a parent in general, I'm going to say people who even who don't have their own kids, just the idea of children going missing, being abducted possibly, that's – frightening yeah and sure enough there were moments in this film that i was scared out of my mind i mean i'm just skin crawling really tough to know where things were going and you were kind of i found myself crossing my fingers in a way a lot hoping Mm -hmm. that things were going to go a certain direction and hoping they didn't go a different one and it was a tough tough watch that being said i thought this was a really really well-made film with one very big exception Hmm. for me okay this is a 153 minute movie yes the last 20 minutes, I had a lot of issues with. Okay. But the first 120-whatever minutes, I really was on board for. I didn't enjoy the ride. Right. But it was one of those I'm glad I took, in hindsight... Uh, and for me, it all comes down to the acting. I thought the acting, which I was not expecting it to be strong from Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm not a big fan of his work. Hugh Jackman, I think, plays Wolverine great, but I'm not a big fan of him in anything else. <laughs> I thought he was really good. Okay. I actually think everybody put in a really good, strong role and turned what could have been a very TV movie type storyline into a well-made film. Except for the last 20 minutes, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I wanted to kind of hit all the positives first. Overall, I thought it was a very strong film. Actually, surprisingly strong. Roger Deakins, I believe, was the director of photography. Yes. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. I enjoyed watching some of the shot selection and the way the shots were handled uh, just as much as I enjoyed some of the acting that was on on display. What about you?
2: Sure. I'm I'm kind of in the same ballpark. Uh, the acting did make the film kind of stand above your typical. I guess this would be classified as a thriller, crime drama. Yeah,
1: crime thriller, mystery. Yeah. And
2: normally those aren't the type of things I go in for. But you know, considering the genre that this was, I thought it was you know well done. The acting had a lot to do with it, with one exception. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> we'll, I want we'll to hear your exception, sure. And there again, the cinematography also helped to elevate this picture above what it could have been interesting that you comment i guess the third act per se the last 20 minutes i am on the same page um i liked the movie you know not the subject matter i didn't enjoy the, but thought it was really well done well paced let's say it was Mm -hmm. and there again there this movie does have some kind of twists and turns so i don't want to spoil anything but i'm gonna see if my point of things going kind of spiraling out of control in a bad way kind of the wheels falling off the cart was it there's a let's see how to there's a point where someone is being interviewed in the police station yes and it goes very badly very badly and then shortly thereafter there's a confrontation between Hugh Jackman's character, the father, and someone else, and there's kind of some exposition, and then it just kind of it, and then for the rest of the movie, I'm just about the point.
1: Yeah, actually, what I'm going to say, and again, this is not spoiler, but Chris, you'll know what I'm talking about. Just for anybody who has seen the film, you'll know what I'm referring to. There's a visual motif that's introduced late in the film that has ramifications to the solving of the mystery. Yes. I thought that was very ham handed the yes. way it was kind of spoon fed to us. I agree. There was a scene where we have Jake Gyllenhaal's character who, after the interrogation has gone terribly poorly. <laughs> um, is it kind of at his wits end? He's kind of really frustrated with this. Does case. Some,
2: he like, destroys his yeah, desk but then lo and stuff? behold yeah
1: a a picture lays out that shows this one visual motif that all of a sudden things start clicking together it almost becomes like your your scooby-doo mystery yes. solving at this point and yes. i think when the ultimate bad guy which i even hate saying in a film like this but it really almost is that that stereotypical at the mm-hmm. end bad guy is revealed it's just Seems, I don't want to say it's over the top because I understand the story and I could see where the story wants to go with it. But the way it's revealed to us, the way Hugh Jackman's character comes into a realization, the way all these things start to click into place, it was just so force fed, I felt like, and so cliche what you would expect from a B level movie, a TV movie type approach to this. Right. And that's the shame of it is that up until that point, this movie was really authentic. It was very. Provoking. I mean, we're, I was more fascinated learning about the Hugh Jackman character and how he was responding to the situation and the actions he was taking. That to me was more fascinating than the mystery. But they seemed to drop all that in the last twenty minutes and say, "No, we just want to focus on solving the mystery and unveiling the grand who the bad guy is." And that's where it just it really lost lost me in the end. Yeah, I think
2: I think basically. It's a carbon copy of my notes because that's, that's kind of how I felt. There were things about the Hugh Jackman character. You learn about his some th- elements of his past, yeah. and those threads were just completely discarded. Yeah. And you don't really—you uh, could have gotten so much more understanding. And also, Hugh Jackman's character, like we mentioned in the intro, he takes matters into his own hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he is obviously his concerned father. He wants to do whatever it takes— Yes. Kind of Malcolm X approach, whatever it takes to get his daughter back. Yes. That is an interesting line of thinking to go down and it's a point. And like, you know, how far do you go until you become criminal yourself? And, and I felt like, they didn't allow characters to have any really type of arc. It's like they started out and then they were like, yep. And that's, that's kind of how it is. They didn't, they didn't allow them to really show a lot of change through the movie. Well, and, and that's, so. I, I kind of see what you're
1: saying there. I think where it really focuses in for me is that we, we find a lot of these things, we see the emotions of the characters on the onset of the problem or the storyline or the situation. But when the storyline closes, we don't really get any understanding of how it affected them. Right. right. Because, again, Hugh Jackman's character goes through the most roller coaster, going back to your example, of, of what he does. And his storyline is the most fascinating because, honestly, the scenes where he has taken measures into his own hands were, for me, the most interesting. I really wanted to see how far he was going to go. Right. He went a lot farther than I thought he was going to go with things. And um, that's interesting. But then once the movie starts to close, we don't see any resolution of impact on him. Right. We don't really know what happens to him because of those choices. He made
2: the final shot of this film Mm -hmm. annoyed me so well I was going to ask you
1: about the final shot because I know what they were trying to do they didn't want to give you the spoon fed tied up in a bow ending they wanted to leave it a little more ambiguous but I almost think with a movie like this we've followed these characters for two and a half hours we've seen their characters try to develop I'm with you I needed to know what was the end development of these characters
2: okay here again I'm going to be dancing the line of being very vague what was painful to me was there was a get out of jail free card or an item that was introduced. Yeah. And once a character, it kind of recurs to him. I knew from that point in the last 20 minutes when things were, I was like, okay, that is going to come into play. And sure enough, in the final scene of the movie, it is, it could be hinted, but it wasn't hinted. It was like repeated. I think four times this, this thing, it was, they brought
1: up this, this item several times, Right, the wife talking to the cop
2: in the hospital. And even even in that final shot, it wasn't just like, Oh, you didn't make the connection. No, it kept hitting you over the head in that final shot. Like, Oh, here's this connection. Here it is again. Here and it is see, again. Is, that Here whole, it is again."
1: You're right. That whole ending sequence is the ending to a movie where you've got a hero and the hero is able to save the day at the end. Mm-hmm. But that's not the movie we've had up until that point. Right. We don't get to close out the Hugh Jackman character story arc sufficiently to know what the ramifications are of the choices made.
2: And I think, um, Oh, yeah. And it wasn't, it, to me, it didn't benefit to leave it kind of where they ended it. It would have been more interesting if they would have actually had a little bit of resolution between Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman, because yep. he, is was a poli- he is oh. a policeman. That was this what I was looking This guy has forward done to. some things that are not cool. Well, and even for them, they hint at, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then there's a, It just could have been more.
1: Well, that, that resolution I I sorely missed. I wanted to see that end resolution between those two characters and even the end resolution between Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Maria Bello as the wife was very, I thought just simpleton either. Also, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just didn't give me any depth. It's like, you know what you've all been going through and now you have learned what your husband has been doing. Right. But yet there didn't seem to be any impact from that. It was kind of like, well, OK, <laughs> yeah, that's that and move on. Right. I just the whole last 20 minutes was very frustrating to me because it wouldn't have been frustrating if the rest of the movie had not been so good. But it was more frustrating for me because I really thought the rest of the movie was so well done. And I really bought every action. I bought every emotion. I bought every uh, response to things happening to them. I love the concept of trying to explore the human uh, humanity of what you would do if your child was in this situation. How far would you really go? It's a good age old question. We ask ourselves, how far would we go for the sanctity of our children and their safety? And I think it did a great job of pushing those boundaries and having us ask those questions. It's just, unfortunately, it really dropped the ball in that last 20 minutes. And it just didn't give us any really good resolution for anything to walk away from.
2: Agreed. I'm going to talk about the, you know, I kind of let it introduce the fact that there was an acting that I wasn't All right, I'm curious. Who, who is it? Jake Gyllenhaal. Really? I actually kind of like him. I like him in other movies. And, you know, oh. I'm kind of a, and in this one, it's not that he did a bad job, but there was something specific. One thing that's not his fault. The other one that... I'm assuming it is a choice he made. Was he trying to... Why did he keep blinking?
1: It was, a, it was just a physical tick he had. And I thought it was good because it actually got really accentuated during the uh, one of the interrogation scenes. And I think that's where we we see that his character was starting to kind of lose it a little bit. He mm-hmm. was about at his wit's end. They really played up this whole idea of he's never lost a case or never not solved a case, which could have been a little cliche handled. But... I think that pressure was actually really getting him. And mm-hmm. I think I like the fact that he's not a perfect guy. I mean, you know, I love the fact, I- I'll tell you, I thought his acting was really surprisingly good only because I had very low expectations for okay. him. I don't like him as an actor in general, <laughs> but the fact that what I love the most is like, so here he would go into the houses and have to have these conversations, these very sensitive, uh, serious conversations with the parents about their missing children. And it's a very tight tenuous situation but he would leave the house and if he was annoyed by their behavior he'd kind of show it under Mm -hmm. his breath and he'd grumble about it and he'd kind of he's a human being you know he didn't play this super cop where he's just mr hero to everybody i mean he was getting annoyed by the family and some of the questions they were asking about their missing child and you think okay that's that's you know, you wouldn't expect a cop to do that, but he was because he was very human. The visual tick with the blinking. Yeah, it was, a it was little, just a
2: little bit overdone. It
1: was a little distracting in that one interrogation scene. But again, I think they were really trying to play at the fact that he was starting to kind of mentally break down himself. He had kind of reached the end of his rope. He had to have something resolved and he wasn't getting it. But <laughs> I, I'm surprised that you thought that that was a the acting wasn't that great. A
2: little. I mean, you know, it was It wasn't my favorite performance of his, and I'm generally I'm okay with him, and so I was kind of I kind of thought I guess it was the the thing that I'm not going to blame him for. I guess it's the screenwriter's fault. How can you name him Detective Loki? This is in the Age of the Avengers movie and Thor, which you know, this I mean, come on, and it's not based on a book. It's based you know his original screenplay, so. Detective Loki. Now, granted, well, can't well, no, no.
1: does Loki have, I mean, I know Loki in, in the uh, Marvel world is the god of mischief. Mm-hmm. I mean, does Loki have any other symbolic references Not that, that I'm maybe aware they were trying of. to tie in And it's in spelled here? the same way yeah. as the
2: Loki from... I thought that was
1: an odd choice. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: Something that would so clearly be in pop consciousness well, that would be distracting. I will me.
1: say, I thought Hugh Jackman was really good in this. Yeah. Um, there were a couple scenes I kind of felt like he was overacting and maybe kind of playing to the camera, but it was very, very few. Hmm. And for the range that he had to show and the intensity he had to show, after the first few minutes and getting used to his character, I was buying it. Terrence Howard, Viola Davis didn't really have too much to do except True. just react to a lot of things. They were
2: the parents of the other child. Yeah.
1: And I think they were fine. I thought Maria Bella was also a little underused. She was medicated in bed most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which – Rightfully so. I can understand in that, that situation. Sure. But um, really, this was down to Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. That's pretty much the two. And then Paul Dano. Now, what did you think of Paul Dano and his character? We're not going to, of course, say too much about the character he was playing, right. other than he had some uh, mental def- dis- uh, deficiencies. I guess we could at least leave it at that. Well,
2: and you can tell from the trailer sure. he's a suspect.
1: Yeah. He's a suspect, and yeah. he does. he's having to play a character with a very uh, simple, simple mind. How do you think he did?
2: You know, it's... <sighs> He did well, but you know a lot of it. I think was the cinematography of Roger Deakins because yeah. he doesn't. I mean, he did well. He doesn't have to say a lot. It's all very physicality. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he didn't do a bad job. He okay, was, he just was, didn't he really stand out to you. I mean, way. I think if I was on the Oscar committee and I had to pick something for this movie, you know, probably it would be Hugh Jackman for his yeah. you know portrayal of the. I, I
1: think Hugh Jackman dad. was the strongest I've seen him be, and when things got really intense, he he played it well, and I think that the scenes between. Hugh Jackman's character and Paul Dano's character mm-hmm. were my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate saying favorite because they were grueling to scenes. They were the scenes, standout scenes. The standout scenes. Sure. And then also with Roger Deakins in the cinematography, mm-hmm. some of the scenes, I'll just say Paul Dano's character in a dark black space. Nope. Just seeing an eyeball in some situations was really haunting.
2: Nobody does darkness like Whew. Deakins. Wow. You know, I'm thinking of the James Bond, you know, I finally caught Skyfall, up with Skyfall. Yeah. And there were scenes with fire and dark. Mm. And he just, he can light darkness. (laughs) He can (laughs) can make the absence of light really interesting. And it's not frustrating for the viewer. And the reason, like if you look at the X-Files TV show, actually, you know, there's always a lot of dark and they keep things from you and it just gets irritating because you can't see stuff. He lets you see all that you need to yeah and just the way that he does that is i just impressive. thought some of those
1: shots were really really well done Agreed. and uh all right let me just ask you a quick question i think we're both on the same page we really we sure. like the
2: film i think you may like it a little bit more than i you.
1: think i do i think i like it more than you but we sure. both have real in- problems with the ending for sure, sure. yeah and I, I and i hate penalizing an entire movie for the last 20 minutes but well, that's, 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 that's that's the
2: taste that it leaves in that is the thing that mouth, wraps you up you, know? you yeah, gotta sure. you gotta
1: nail the ending on a film like this and right. I'm, i just don't feel like they did but up until that point I was really, really appreciating this film. Well,
2: and I'll say, you know, it is, you know, tough subject matter, as you've heard us talk about. I will say, though, that me not liking this type of film, um, you know, in general, it's not what I would seek out. It was well done, and I could appreciate it that it was good in the thriller genre and it was, you know, it was good. Okay. It was that last 20 minutes that, you know, and I think actually if people go based off the preview thinking it's going to be kind of a silence of the lambs, kind of a fast paced action type mm. thing, you're not going to get that, you know, yeah. an action thriller, you know, it's but very it was,
1: deliberately paced. Yeah. It's I think I credit the director. I think yes. taking what could be a very routine thriller, you know, type of concept and making it a lot deeper, a lot more involved. It's just unfortunately got a little off the rails towards the end. And then the ending really fell apart. Uh, Last question I'll ask you, just a real simple one for anybody else getting ready to watch the film. Maybe you can write in about this as well. Tree bark. Hmm. There's a lot of shots, kind of odd shots Yeah. Zooming into a tree Mm -hmm. with a lot of bark, a lot of heavy exposition of bark on the tree. Okay. There were at least three instances where it almost seemed like they were more fascinated in the shot with the bark than what was maybe going on behind the tree that you were supposed to be maybe paying attention to. Hmm. Got anything on that? Or is that just more of a, you know, here we are shooting and it's kind of cold weather and we're outdoors a lot and we, we, we kind of want to play that up.
2: Well, I wonder if that ties into the motif of the repeated Motif that you were talking about that happens in the latter part of the film that plays a part, like how the tree bark looks compared Mm. to how... But we'll I just say it has
1: to do with a maze. I'll just say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So um, a
2: maze-looking tree bark, how
1: that has to Maybe. That could be and... it. I'm just wondering. I mean, this is probably reaching way too far. But just to know that there were a lot of layers, a lot of levels to things that sure. are covering up what you're seeing type of thing. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But I just noticed the tree bark shots just did jump out at me because they were just enough of them to know that it wasn't just a random shot. There was something intentional going on there.
2: The The movie deals... Kind of throws out there in the opening scene morality, and it talks about the morality of, like, mm-hmm. we talk about right and wrong. And that's the one thing that I, for me, it wasn't able to really close on. And you said it wasn't able to close on that either. Not yeah. that it has to hit you over the head with its statement, but it just didn't,
1: it got well. Lost. I just, we just didn't get the closure to these character arcs that really helped tie in. I don't need answers, I don't need a resolution, but I at least want to know the impact of this character's arc at the end. I want to know how is it going to affect them or what questions might it be posing? Right. And they, the, 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 movie just didn't seem interested in closing any of those loops in the last little bit. It was more interested in, we got a mystery, we got a bad guy. We need to show everybody what the bad guy did and why. Mm-hmm. And that to me was not interesting. So anyway, Agreed. Well, that's Prisoners, uh, okay. starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, is out in theaters now, has uh, been out for a week or two, doing really well. And I think there will probably be some Oscar talk uh, time for maybe some acting okay. uh, somewhere mixed in there. I'd, I'd like to think that that would happen. So anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to write us at uh, info at TheMesh.TV or visit TheMesh.TV website and drop us a line. Let us know what you thought of Prisoners. Next, we're going to go on to our second review, which is the film The Spectacular Now
0: my name is Sutter Keeley I got everything I need right here I've got a job, I've got a car, I've got a beautiful girl,
1: I was the life of every party Ah! you gotta live in the moment, it's about
0: this this is beautiful hey hey where the
2: hell am I? do you live around here Sutter? How do you know my name? you go to the same school uh uh... I'm Amy, that's what I was gonna say nice to meet you Amy
1: so Chris, I had heard a little bit about the spectacular now just through some websites and other film conversations. And then it, it didn't really register too much for me. I mean when you got a, when you have a synopsis of the film of a hard partying high school seniors philosophy on life changes when he meets the not so typical nice girl, mm-hmm. I'm like, Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There's really nothing. I'm too interested in at this point. <laughs> um, sure. I don't know anything about the director, James Ponsolt. really don't know anything about the screenwriters. It stars miles Tell- teller who I had, don't think I'd really seen in anything before, young actor. It did have Shailene Woodley, which I did remember from The Descendants, and I remembered she was really good in The Descendants, right. so that was okay. She's a good actress; that'll be all right. Kyle Chandler, I generally like, and he has a role in the film, mm-hmm. so okay, maybe on the acting side they've got a couple of interesting things going on. But then I got to admit, Chris, you kind of you kind of showed your hand a little bit on this film. Uh, I did. See, so you true. broke you broke a foot candle tradition. It's true. We normally don't talk about these films until we've had a chance to sit down here and, and review them together correct but you intentionally told me he said oh have you seen the spectacular now i said no Because like, we were oh. setting up the movie he's like oh movie. you really need to go see it i'm <laughs> like so you basically showed your hand that you like this film <laughs> that's true okay so that's already out in the open chris likes nothing this film. nothing to nothing to unveil here true. chris like this film mm-hmm. so let me turn the tables on you okay what do you think i thought of this film Based on what you know about me and the type of film this was, I go in with Chris Fry's stamp of approval, which is normally has a pretty high standard to well, it. What did you is, think the of the problem?
2: It? Is I probably set the bar. You know, it's all movie going is all about the time you see the movie, your expectation, walking in, all these factors. I think I probably set the bar too high for you. So I think you probably thought it was okay, but I don't think you. I don't. I think you thought it was okay. It was an okay movie, but you know, you're probably not as. Over the moon about the spectacular. You probably would not say it's this spectacular now. You would say it's the, <laughs> I'd say it's, it's the okay now. It's the okay
1: now. Um, and you're, you're about right. I uh, did think this was a good movie, but it didn't blow me over in any way. Uh, really, I, I will tell you, well, I, I want to hear your positives on it. I will say right off the bat acting wise, Miles Teller, Shailene Woodley, these two are going to be stars. They were awesome. They yeah. made this movie for me. Enjoyable to watch. So I'm going to close out my positives with that. Wow. No, 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 not to say the movie was bad in any way, shape or form. It was a good movie. It's just, it was an acting tour de force for these two. If you had put average actors into this role, Mm -hmm. into this movie and this story, it would have been nothing.
2: Right. That's
1: my thing. I think the story was very mediocre, very run by the numbers. Oh yeah. Disagree. No, no. I thought it was very by the numbers. I thought it was uh, a very simple storyline that if you had put, poor actors in those roles, this would have been a horrible, forgettable movie. That's my take on it. So I well, want to hear what you liked.
2: I, I, the two leads were surprisingly, shockingly good to me. I, I did not recognize Miles Teller at all. Um, and I recognized Shailene Woodley by her face, but I couldn't remember what she was in. Right. And just the chemistry they had together yeah. and the way they related to each other just seemed to be very natural. And what mm-hmm. struck me was this was kind of a... You know coming of age story, but I thought it was very un hollywood and it was very it was very natural. The whole film was very I thought the relationships they explored were natural. I thought it was the thing that veered off the typical path for me of a teen movie that has some funny elements and it has some romance elements. the thing that veered off that path and I thought did so in an interesting way and was well handled and something I'd never seen before was Sutter Keeley who's miles teller's character he's the guy in the film he has problems with alcohol Mm -hmm. and the way that was handled. I had never seen before in a film that was of this type. And then I also thought it was interesting how they handled dysfunctional families. Um, And not just one character had a, you know, both, both Amy, the girl in the story and Sutter, both of them came from homes that were a little less than ideal. And I thought the way that it was handled Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know, I just really, and I'd come to find out the writers of the film we responsible for 500 days of summer. Oh, okay. And so, which I liked. And, um, the director, I have not seen his previous movie. It was, um, you may have wanted to mention it. You'll probably have heard of it. It was called smashed and it was oh, about, yes. mm-hmm. okay. But and it dealt with alcoholism, alcoholism. as well. Mm-hmm. So I just, I really thought it was interesting and it was curious to me how there could be enough funny moments in it but they weren't over the top. It was just enough not to make it a completely heavy. And I didn't feel like it was heavy. You know, if you talk about teen alcoholism and peer pressure and both kids are getting ready to graduate. So if you talk about having to go to the real world and alcoholism and dealing with, uh, sex, you know, and I mean, you just think, Oh, it just sounds like it would be a miserable movie going experience. And it wasn't, I really, I really like this movie. I, can't speak highly enough of it actually.
1: And I still am going on record saying as I like it. So I don't want anybody writing in saying, okay, Alan didn't like this movie. I don't want this to be the movie that gets brought up in future episodes. Like, Uh, well, you didn't like the spectacular now. No, I did. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. Here's my thing though. Um, I still stand by the fact that yes, I was interested with the alcoholism tangent, the family dysfunction dynamics, but I still feel like the way that the story handled, it was very pedestrian. Um, I just thought there again, we've seen this story before popular kid starts to fall for not so popular kid. You find out popular kids actually got a lot of baggage behind them and things that are causing them to make it up in that, that personality that they exude. And somehow the person that's not as popular or not as well liked, uh, helps bring that out of them a little bit and they help each other out. I've seen this story plenty of times.
2: Well, I, I think the way they didn't solve his problem, his problem was not solved. He had an alcohol problem and the, the, the girl that he meets, you know, the nice girl, she doesn't have glasses and is dressed right. all dorky and everything. So you don't see it like in a in a typical Hollywood movie, you would True. see her progress from this braces wearing right. glasses wearing. Oh no, wearing, they didn't like, go that Hollywood movie. No. I agree. It was very more much more grounded in reality. And the girl you know just like a teenager she actually starts seemingly drink as well Well,
1: see, here's my question there let me let me get off on my so little soapbox here all, that
2: was actually interesting you brought up the movie.
1: alcoholism thing and yes right. that does play a part a big part in the movie but does it really uh, here's the thing we see them drinking a lot like yeah. him especially and then she starts drinking yeah now yes part of the drama towards the end a very kind of a shocking turn towards the end of the film that where things really start to go down a bad path. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is tied to alcoholism, but it's more tied to the family dynamics, the father son relationship that uh, the main character has. Yeah, That's the real driver for what causes the problems. It's not the drinking. I don't think the drinking, I think is a way of covering the pain as mm-hmm. opposed to the, the, the alcohol being the, the the problem for his relationships. I think the problem for his relationships is he's got a dad that is basically a really scummy guy yeah. and Sutter's finding that out slowly but surely. A guy that he had put up on such a high pedestal all of his life. Yeah. He's now learning the reality of it. That's what's causing his problems. That's what causes, in a way, the accident that happens later on in the film. That's what causes a lot of his relationships to start to deteriorate. The alcohol is just there to mask it. And I don't feel like we really got any good clear I don't think it gave us – for somebody, a younger person watching this, unfortunately, I don't think it really tells you that alcoholism is bad for kids. In fact, Shailene Woodley's character Amy is, like, drinking every single time we see her later in the film, and there's no resolution to that. They're drinking up until the one time she offers him a drink towards the end, and he says no thanks. That was the only clearing the air of the whole alcohol thing that happened. So I almost think they were kind of skirted around the whole alcohol thing. They focused it more on father-son were dynamic, which I thought was well handled. But that was – I thought that was just interesting towards the end. Well, I just and I, didn't feel like they really shone a spotlight on saying, okay, listen, hey, this guy has been using alcohol to cover his pain, and that alcohol has been causing problems as well. And it was almost like that was just all an afterthought.
2: Well, i I agree that they didn't – they did not – it was troublesome mm-hmm. that Amy's character – started drinking and yeah. that was never kind of touched on. You see him, you see Sutter kind of maybe take a step back, but that's not really well resolved. But I, I found that to be very true to me. Speaking of people graduating high school, getting ready to go off to college, she had examined this. It's not problematic for her, but you learn in her past, her father committed suicide from painkillers. Or something. Yeah. So there's like addictive personalities oh, yeah. running around. And, and I guess that's what worried
1: me is that if, if, for a movie that's really shining a spotlight on genetic traits passed down that kids are having to wrestle with. I mean, basically Sutter doesn't want to be like his dad. Mm. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, he realizes that he knows that. And that's his major breakdown is that he starts to realize that, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm becoming like my father and I don't want to be like that mm-hmm. for that to be such an important theme. But yet we've got Amy as a character who I really loved her character. Oh, I mean, yeah. and she, yeah, no offense. Yeah, I hope my wife isn't listening to this, but <laughs> this is the kind of girl I would have like pined after oh, in high school. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Just phenomenal, phenomenal character. Yeah. And I felt bad because we saw her starting to pick up the drink every single time now. But yet we know her father has had an addictive personality, and that's right. never talked about. No. There's never a sign of, oh my gosh, Amy, you need to stop. Because look, I'm learning what I'm learning about my father and how it's affecting me now. Oh my gosh, why about you? Now you could say that that's not the point of the story, and we're kind of left to know that they've still got a much longer story to tell for these two characters as they grow together, but it's still-
2: absolutely and the final scene I think is is open as to what's going to happen, but I like the way i liked I liked how it was dealt with, and I liked how it cut, and I was like Good.
1: no yeah no, i I did like the- Comparing prisoners in this one, that final well, shot, we yes. got a very similar shot, which granted, I saw both these movies in the same night. So okay. the similarities, I, I, I found, had fun picking them apart. They sure. both end with a kind of an abrupt cut shot mm-hmm. of one person and their reaction to the situation, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. But with this one, it was a much more satisfying ending, absolutely, than gotcha. they went with. No, believe me, I'm nitpicking a few things here about the themes and about the the storyline in general. But I will say, I mean, I was... I was truly moved in some parts of the film by just the performances alone. Miles Teller as Sutter, he annoyed me the first half of the movie, but that that was on purpose. I mean, you are to be annoyed by his character. He's so over the top and just so much wanting to be the life of the party. And, but you realize why he's doing that. And it made that performance in the first half of the movie that much stronger. Um,
2: His scene with, um, the, you know, you mentioned some of the supporting characters. Bob Odenkirk oh, is also in this. Are movie. you
1: going to talk about the scene between the two of them? I the last love scene. and I love
2: Bob, Oden- Bob Odenkirk. It was a perfect anywhere. scene. And the scene where he, Bob Odenkirk is his boss, and he has a scene with his boss towards the latter half of the film. Yep. and that, that one was got me. amazing. That one got me. And a lesser, you know, Bob Odenkirk has some funny things in there, which you know he's from Mister Show and everything. But his ability to handle. Serious subject matter, and to handle that scene was—I was like, man, this guy's so. That good. was a and really I, good apparently scene. Apparently Actually, in, that's my standout. Apparently, he's in Breaking Bad, and I yes. have never seen that show, no. so I haven't seen him in a dramatic role. But you know, just that was a standout comedy, scene but, for man. me. And I think the oh.
1: line, uh, "If you were my father, you wouldn't have to," type of, and that yes. was really yes. punching the gut. Yes. So good. Um, well done. I'm with you on that. <laughs> you got Brie Larson, who I know she's someone who's really up and coming in Hollywood right now. A lot of films. Oh, okay. She starred as Cassidy, right. the uh, ex girlfriend. I thought. She She was good, too. I mean, um, but really, this was these two. This is, you know, Miles and Shailene's movie from top to bottom. I mean, if you didn't buy their relationship, for me, the movie wouldn't work at all. It would have been really dull and just no point to it.
2: And that's what's so impressive to me is not unknowns, but, you know, smaller names in Hollywood. And for them to carry this entire movie was very, very impressive.
1: So I will say I really liked it. I certainly recommend it to people. I just i did have some issues with the themes and the story right but not an issue at all with the acting or the directing of it i mean i think it was very very well made (laughs) so if you see the previews for this and you think it's just going to be a teen romantic comedy thing no don't let that fool you it's a lot better and a lot deeper than that it does take some pretty serious turns kind of shocking turns honestly i was a little taken aback at some points but it needed to get there to get to the end. So good movie. It was a good movie. Just I probably liked it less than you. I think we're flip-flopped on this <laughs> a are. little bit. It seems like we are. Um, yeah. I still appreciated it, though, and I'm really anxious to see what these guys uh, do next. Um, interesting, because you know I always bring in the superhero com- uh, comic book movie references here. Okay. Both these lead characters, Shailene Woodley, was cast for a certain amount of time but then let go supposedly where she was going to be cast as Mary Jane Watson in the whole Spider-Man reboot series that they're working on now. Huh? The next amazing Spider-Man movie. Sure. Supposedly she was hired for some parts of a scene, but then they cut her part from this movie and there's been rumors that she's being recast or whatever. So she was for a while going to be Mary Jane, the new Mary Jane in the Spider-Man. She she would have been great. And then Miles Teller has been rumored as being cast in the reboot of the fantastic four as mr fantastic oh yeah so anyway just kind of interesting how these two i was glad i got to see them in a very small independent film before they start going out and making big blockbuster movies because i think this gives us a little more appreciation for them that we probably would not get in those bigger movies
2: Hmm. so anyway okay
1: so that's our reviews of both prisoners and the spectacular now both of them good movies definitely worth seeking out some misgivings on both sides for each film but uh overall i think we still say yes you should check these films out so yes. with that we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll hit some movie news we're going to dip into the inbox a little bit answer a couple reader questions and cap it off with our movie uh, recommendation for the episode stay tuned you're listening to foot candle films here on the mesh.tv hi i'm champions tour player kenny perry Please join me in a fantastic field of
0: Champions Tour players for the 11th Annual Greater Hickory Kia Classic at Rock Barn, October the 14th through the 20th. Weekly ground badges are just $50. Individual tickets are $20 per day with proceeds going to charity. Get your tickets today
1: at greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. This is Alan and Chris talking about movies. We just finished our reviews of Prisoners, and The Spectacular Now. Let's move on, Chris, to uh, before we get into our news that we'd like to talk about. We do get some emails in occasionally. We addressed a couple, I think, in the last episode or two. Uh, Just some viewer questions we get or feedback. We always want as much feedback as possible. So guys, please send it in. We'd love questions. We'd love your own opinions of the films we reviewed. You can send it in by email at Info at TheMesh.TV, or you can just go to TheMesh.TV website, and there's a contact us form right there. Just say, this is for Foot Candle, I got a question, and the, the people responsible will make sure it gets to our, our inbox. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, we reviewed two films last episode, and we did get questions about both films in our take on them. Okay. So I just thought, let's kind of focus on just these two, since they are related to the last episode. Sure. We had somebody write in, and this was Mike, saying, are you being harsh on The Butler because it was too similar to Forrest Gump? Hmm. Supposedly what Mike was saying is that just he's read a lot of analysis as well. That people are kind of knocking the film down a lot because it resembled Fire Gump a little too much with the progression age of the character and being involved in major historical events and all that uh, and kind of being a behind the scenes character. But yet these big prominent things are going on around the world. He just wondered if, because we were both a little on the negative side about the butler. We both had some, because you were much more negative. negative, I was negative, not as passionately as you were. Mike's just wondering, are we we just being a little too harsh on the butler here? Do you think that that's a valid criticism of it being too similar to Forrest
2: Gump? I I will defend my harshness towards the butler. And my harshness towards the butler has nothing to do with the Forrest Gump aspect. That's actually kind of what kept me involved in the film. What I did not like was the sun subplot thing, which mm. wasn't a subplot. It was like equally as important as the butler. And it felt there to be based on a true story, which you get into murky territory there yeah. anyway. But to have that whole subplot thing, I just wish that could have been cut out of the movie. Mm. It would have made it shorter and it would have been more interesting to follow the Forrest Gump progression of the butler. Instead, mm. we had this other Hand thisted storyline of the sun, and that 's where my appreciation for the film okay. just so you went. really don 't think got the fire
1: scum comparison threw you off in your review at all
2: it, no that 's not what made it now, I think you know right you know the comparison is fair to make, I think, but that 's not what made it bad for okay. me does that make right. sense oh yeah, and, yeah yeah and i, I
1: and I want to say I, I I hope i'm being real to myself and saying that no it didn't affect my criticism of the film either, as I look back on it and think about it, it 's like yeah, it was a lot of similarities and maybe. Because Forrest Gump's one of those movies that, I don't know, for some reason, it's always on TV. So maybe sure. I mean, it's still a cultural touchstone as far as a movie goes. You hear about it so much. Maybe that was influencing me a little bit and saying, okay, yeah, so here's the Forrest Gump moment. Now he meets JFK, and now oh. he's into this conversation. And maybe that did. I don't know. But I'd like to think it didn't. Uh, but, you know, film criticism, I mean, we are – Subconsciously influenced by some of the things around us, you can't unsee Forrest Gump. Yeah, there's every possibility that may have been the case. Sure. knows? But Mike, we really try to make sure other films don't influence our our reviews of the film that we're talking about. So. Another one, and this is a a criticism of a film that we both really liked, uh, Much Ado About Nothing. We've got Amy writing in and saying the language of Much Ado About Nothing was jarring and brought me out of the movie. I guess she's referring to the original Shakespeare text being spoken by modern day characters. Sure. Um, She said it made the movie seem fake and too much of a vanity piece. (laughs) So, Chris, your response to that? Having these modern day actors in a modern day setting reciting exact Shakespeare text for their dialogue. Did that bring you out of the movie at all?
2: Okay. Let me, she's got an interesting point. Okay. Did the Shakespeare bring it out of? No, it did not for me, but okay. I knew going in that they were going to be speaking in that dialect. And I was able to, it was bumpy at first. Like we mentioned in our review, yeah. it was kind of bumpy at first, but then I followed along and it was no problem. Now the part where she mentions vanity piece, I will say that yeah, it basically is probably a vanity piece for Joss Whedon. It's kind of a stunt. I think it's amazing he pulled it off. I appreciated it, but is it kind of a throwaway vanity piece? That he was kind of wanted to prove he could do it. Well, yeah, but I, I don't. I don't. That's not a slight, but I will agree with her that it probably is a vanity piece. So. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair
1: enough. I. I think I had a little bit of that same comment of it was a bit of a vanity piece as well. You get your best friends together, your acting buddies, you hang out at your house for a long week. You film this. Oh, cool. Let's make it modern day. Oh, let's make it black and white. Oh, let's do uh, the old English. Yeah, it's a little bit of a I want to do something on my own that's just really kind of appealing to me in a way. But I think Joss Whedon he's earned it. I mean, he just directed one of the biggest blockbusters known to man, which special effects. I'm on record
2: is not liking. <laughs> yeah, we are quite
1: aware of that, Chris, thank you for reminding us again. So you know what? He's earned it. If he wants to do a little black and white Shakespeare adaptation in his house, go for it. You know, I think the experimental nature of it won me over versus it being a vanity piece. So,
2: and I, I think it would have been to adapt it to where they would have been speaking, you know, regular English, everyday, modern day English. It would have been like, um, 10 things I hate about you or any of those romantic Mm -hmm. comedies that they've made that kind of updated Shakespeare and they totally changed the language and it's in color and it's usually starring teen. You know, that would have just been, I wouldn't have been interested probably in seeing it at all. Sure. But the fact that he did what he did, that made it, that made it more interesting to me. So,
1: Great. Well, that's uh, just a couple things from the inbox I wanted to pull out okay. because they were specifically related to our show from last, last episode. Sure. Um, so let's move on to some movie news, Chris. And, and, okay. and I always like to kind of have a theme around our movie news just okay. because, I mean, there's so much news out there in the movie world. I could go any direction with this. But I like to kind of pick a theme. Okay. All right. So the theme this week is three news items about films that are being either remade or sequelized that should they be? Okay. That's kind okay. of the question to you.
2: Okay. Is there
1: any logical rational reason for these films we're going to talk about to be remade or rebooted or okay. or, or sequelized? Okay. So first off, uh a p- picture was posted just last uh last few days by a Mr. Jeff Daniels. Okay. You know the actor Jeff Daniels.
2: Oh, I think I've of heard. he
1: and Jim Carrey. Yep. I've heard. Uh on set of Dumb and Dumber 2.
2: Spelled just T O. T O. Yeah. Right.
1: Now, it should be noted, Dumb and Dumber, the Farrelly Brothers comedy from several, many, many years ago. Actually, 1994. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Almost 20 it years ago. It's very crazy. Comedy, obviously, you know a lot of people really like this film. I personally think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. Um, it was probably one of the few Farrelly Brothers movies I really enjoyed. Most of them, I generally think, don't work very well. Sure. But they have reunited for an official sequel. There was a sequel many years Dumber-er. ago. Yeah, <laughs> Dumb and Dumberer, which supposedly was horrible. I never saw it. Hardly anybody from the original film was associated with it. It was really a bad film from what I understand. Okay. But now they're making... Seems like their
2: earlier days. Yeah, right? it was them yeah. as
1: like kids. Right. So basically this is them now, the picture. I mean, they're back in their same garb with the same hair to cuts and, wow. you know, they look older, but they look like they're having fun with it. So hmm. your, your, your standpoint, should this even be a movie that is being, uh, having millions of dollars poured into it right now?
2: Not, I mean, I have seen the original, but I didn't, wasn't blown away. I saw it kind of after the curve. So by the time I saw it, I thought it was okay, but not as maybe as hyped as everybody else had said it was. You know, because you have all the original parties involved, sure. They're not remake; They're just doing a sequel. Or it whatever. is
1: a truly a sequel, not yeah. a remake. Yeah.
2: So yeah, sure. Why not? You know? And I, I think Jim Carrey is a talented individual and he's kind of been off the radar except for Kick-Ass 2, which I did not see. I did not either. Um, So... Yeah, and I like Jeff Daniels a lot. So, well, you
1: know. Jim Carrey hasn't had a really big starring role in a movie in a long in a good long time. I don't think so. Sure. i would be curious to see can they rekindle some of that magic with them. I will just say for those of you that are the Fairlies are attached. Yes, they okay. are. They are making it. Yeah. I will say for those of you that are fans of the film, uh, they also posted another photograph recently of a certain character that does make a return appearance in this film, uh, little boy. Wheelchair bound boy that owned the parakeet, I believe in the, oh. uh, the bird in the first film okay. supposedly comes back.
2: Alan is clearly a fan because I've seen the movie, but I have no idea what he's talking about. Pretty bird. <laughs> so. oh,
1: pretty bird. No, you don't remember that. Okay. No, nah, now nah right.
2: I need to see it again. All clearly.
1: right. Uh, next one. And I'm getting progressively to ones that may or may not infuriate Chris Fry. Oh,
2: okay. Okay. So
1: that one was the least offensive. Right. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. So, They've been rumoring about making a sequel to Independence Day for a really yeah. long time, and it never got off the ground. Will Smith, Good. you know, starring, and Jeff Goldblum starring. I mean, in
2: After X. Earth went so well.
1: Well, <laughs> director uh, Roland Emmerich is making the Independence Day sequel, scheduled for 2015. How does that guy still
2: get money? He did, like, Godzilla, know. and didn't he do 2012? Yes, and he like, did. I mean, yeah. The Day After Tomorrow. How does mm, he still get money? I don't know. But supposedly Will Smith not getting involved
1: which is surprising based on how bad after earth was you would almost think you know what i need to piggyback onto a big sequel once again hmm. but right now they're rumoring that somebody that you appreciated in a recent film you saw in fruitful station uh michael b jordan may be coming on board as the as the big star there's a rumor right now but
2: i i mean you know if he's looking at it as a paycheck i'd understand but <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: But, I mean, maybe I guess just, in the
1: end, an actor, most actors, and I won't say all, because I think there are some actors out there that are going to refuse sure. tentpole franchises and all that because they really are very, I want to do these really quality films. I don't need the paycheck. Right. But most actors, I think like anybody else in, in society, if you got somebody waving a whole bunch of money to you I and mean, say, all you got to do is work for a few months on a movie that may not be good, but, and be a lot of special effects and working in front of green screen, but hey, here's millions of dollars. Don't you want this? I think, I think it'd be crazy for some actors to not not go that route. The sometimes.
2: challenge will be. I'll probably we'll probably end up seeing it and reviewing it for the show because it'll be a big tentpole movie. Will I? Is it possible for me to like it less? Than Independence Day. That's, so that's my
1: challenge. You didn't care for Independence oh, Day. Oh, I hated. I, hated it. I figured you hated, probably did.
2: hated hated that movie. I will say, I'm and I'm so have, excited because I love sci-fi. I've I have mixed record.
1: feelings because I saw it in a very fun environment with a lot of people on opening weekend, and it mm-hmm. was a big spectacle. I kind of remember that night because it was a fun night watching a big dumb blockbuster movie. Oh, was but on, on repeat viewings, no, it's really it's a bad movie. So <laughs> I'm with you on that. Okay. All right. Last one. Yes. This was the one that may make you the maddest.
2: Oh, okay. They're remaking 2001. (laughs) That would make me mad.
1: Yeah, it's 2001-2. That's what they're calling it. (laughs) Uh, They're remaking Poltergeist. Uh, How do you feel about it? Just on the surface, without even knowing the people involved, how do you feel?
2: Okay, so I don't know anybody involved. Yeah, I had not heard they were remaking it. I mean, they had to remake. I mean, come on, they're remaking everything,
1: especially the horror films.
2: Uh, I think it's a bad idea. I mean okay well I, I, who's involved tell me who's involved I Sam
1: probably, Sam Rockwell well Rosemary DeWitt
2: who's she again I've recognized the name um maybe maybe the shoot where's oh, the intern in. <laughs> yeah our intern left for lunch um they get to eat what did
1: Rosemary DeWitt I
2: recognize the name
1: there, didn't, wasn't she in uh your sister's sister um know, maybe I think so okay Anyway, she's, she's done a lot of quality films. I mean, she's not a big-name actress, but she's done a lot of good independent films, I believe. Okay. Uh, Sam Rockwell, Rosemary DeWitt, and then you've got Gil Keenan directing who did Monster House, the animated film. Okay. Did you ever see
2: that? Um, yeah. Yeah? yeah, I did. I did. It was okay. Mm-hmm. He's directing? Yep. Huh. So Spielberg's not attached in any way, shape, or form? Not that or I'm or. aware of. No, I don't believe so. Anyway, I... Do you know, this is going to be a very crazy question. Sure. But there's a reason I'm asking it. What's it going to be rated?
1: I don't know. I mean, they they, what enough, kind of
2: audience did they have? They haven't you know? gotten
1: far along in that to show and talk about it yet, but... See, that's um, what
2: was good. Poltergeist was, if I'm not mistaken, it was PG.
1: Oh, it was PG. This was before PG-13 days.
2: But it was, a, it was a classic, it's a classic horror movie, or scary movie. I wouldn't even call it horror. It's not a horror movie. No. But you know, it's got some jumps and stuff. But it's not bloody. It's not gory. It's just, you know, it's... I don't know. I just... It's such a classic and so well done that I just...
1: I think it's a, I think it's a tough one. I mean, I can understand if you're going like to remake. I like Sam Rockwell. You know, to me, remaking Friday the Thirteenth, remaking some of these other classic horror films, I don't see a problem with that because I don't. Those films are considered classics because of the type of film it was, not for the filmmaking craft of it. Sure, Poltergeist was a really well-made film. Right, it had
2: imagery of like the yeah. doll and like mm-hmm. the TV set. Like there was all this these things going on that I just don't see. Just like I didn't see a reason why and I've never seen it in protest um while they remade psycho you know yeah that? and that
1: was a failed experiment there so, as well so, so. david lindsay Abair is the screenwriter and his his credits are very mixed okay. uh he's done oz the great and powerful he did the screenplay for that okay he did rise of the guardians an animated film he did rabbit hole huh. um which was the uh, uh what, Who's the director of John um, – um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, and, yeah,
2: yeah. He did Hedwig, too. Yes, and I can't right.
1: Remember. Can't remember his last name. Interns. Mitchell.
2: John Cameron Mitchell.
1: John Cameron Mitchell. God, we really need those interns to stay there. I know. Cool. He also did the screenplay for Robots. I mean, he's done like a mix of animated films and a couple non anime ones thrown in. So hmm. it's an odd, interesting choice both in director and in the uh, the screenwriter. So um, I don't know. I think it's a bad idea. I think there's a lot – so much with – there's so much with the original Poltergeist. It's just you well, just I, I just don't see how you can match it unless you've got, just got to go a completely different direction with the story. But and what I'm
2: afraid of is I have such fond memories of that film. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I did really like it. And in today's you know they're just rebooting stuff. It's like they run out of original ideas for horror movies because those make a lot of money. They release them at you know around Halloween and stuff, and they just churn them out like Insidious five thousand or. <laughs> Um, whatever the paranormal five thousand. I thought they were just a
1: thirty-eight hundred.
2: Actually, I guess it's Paranormal Activity (laughs) five thousand. That should be, but you know, it's just like they can't leave good enough alone with horror movies. You know, they do something like Blair Witch, but then they have to do Blair Witch too. You know, it's like they just can't. And I understand it's money making and everything, but still, it's it's a shame to me because the original Colonel was so good. So I, I I wish they would just leave that enough, uh, enough alone, but you know, I could be wrong. And maybe they have a really original take, but the fact that Spielberg's not involved and they're not an interesting thing would be to see what the original character, like if they were Craig T. Nelson was
1: it? <laughs> oh, like seeing like that character, how are they now?
2: Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, did I?
1: I, I almost think if they're going to do it, Break from the original altogether, go oh. in a completely different path. So totally don't weird. even reference the other people. Cause I think if they start to do stunt casting and get Craig T Nelson okay. to play some little bit role, I think that's just, that's gotten annoying. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to do something, if this the idea of a family moving into a haunted house, And the daughter gets abducted by ghosts, demons, whatever it is, and they Mm -hmm. have to save her. If that's your story, that's your poltergeist story, there's a lot of different ways you could interpret that story and do it differently to give us something new, a fresh look at it. Mm -hmm. If they just try to repeat the formula and a lot of the the beats and bring in the, the, the stunt casting of old cast members, I'm not interested at that point. So. Okay. yeah, that's our movie news. So it sounds like with all three, you know, I I, I kind of anticipated the the level of of, (laughs) uh, your level of uh, frustration with it grew with each one. I kind of anticipated staging them out that way for you. So Hollywood is just going to keep remaking and rebooting. There's nothing we can do about it, Chris. Chris. Nothing we can do. (laughs) Uh, Let's wrap up the uh, show here. We're running a little long, but let's go ahead and wrap up with our recommendations for uh, viewers to check out and watch. So, Chris, what have you got for us that people ought to check out online? or renting uh, that they may have missed.
2: I'm going to recommend a comedy, although it does have some dark elements to it, dark comedy uh, called the brass teapot. And it was Mm. from 2012. I think it was made then, I think also released, but I didn't hear about it till this year. But anyways, it's available on Netflix and you can rent or purchase it in iTunes. But it's a story There again, the brass teapot. it is about a teapot that oh, basically It's a literal it, story It is title. about a teapot yeah. okay <laughs> that lets a couple find this teapot and they learn that they get money from it if they hurt themselves mm. and so they start to hurt themselves so that'cause they're you know kind of a they're a young couple, they don't have a lot of money, they're very frustrated with things, and so Um, they start to take it and start hurting themselves so that they can get money and they end up getting this really nice house and the problems that it causes and, but there are some very funny elements as well. So there's some funny and the music of the movie is really good. And the shots, some of the cinematography is really nice. So I, I recommend the brass teapot and, I think it fell under the radar and for some reason I think it has a really bad rotten tomato score which I find to be surprising. It's like 20%, you know, wow, which is really? like after earth quality. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought this was was much better than that, so I I recommend it. Check it out.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, you definitely pulled one out of the hat there for that. So, mine uh I, I know I've mentioned it on the on the show before, but I don't think I've ever given it as an official recommendation. Paul Thomas Anderson. A filmmaker I really like. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's, he's okay. <laughs> uh, Boogie Nights is one of my favorite films. Mm. Um, I did think that uh, The Master, we talked about on the show, we very did. good movie as well. Really enjoyed that one. He's had a couple that didn't work as well for me. There Will Be Blood, I was one of the people that just was a little more down on that film than I think others were. Mm. I need a second viewing on that one. I haven't got around to that second viewing yet. But the one that I think is probably the most divisive with the most people is Magnolia. Oh, um,
2: man, is that a, what you're recommending? Is Magnolia? Yeah, it is.
1: Oh, it's a long movie, which is problem number one. It is a it is a little bit of a vanity piece. I'll go ahead and say it right up there. I think when he did Hard Eight, first film, then he did Boogie Nights. I think he just wanted to go full tilt, make the most big ensemble cast, make you know just get as many people involved in this thing, and kind of explore all these different storylines and go a little crazy at the end and all. I think he maybe saw this as his film to go big. And I think Magnolia, I got a feeling may have burned him a little bit because oh. if you look at his films after Magnolia,
2: toned him back down,
1: they did tone back down. You got punch Drunk love, which was a very small film, which I like. Oh, I like too. uh, then he went with there'll be blood. Then he went with master. So they've been a little smaller in scope. I can't Magnolia, wait for him to
2: go crazy again.
1: Well, Magnolia is broad sweeping. Oh, yeah. I watched it again last week. I, okay. was, I was curious. I hadn't seen it so long. The first, 15 minutes of the film just is so break nest, breakneck, fast-paced, so much being thrown at you, and I love every minute of it. The movie still works. I do agree. It loses a little steam as you get later in the film. The first half, I think, is so much better than the second, hmm. but man, there's some good moments in this film. Best thing Tom Cruise has ever done. I'll go ahead oh, and say that. I'll,
2: absolutely. Without it a doubt. It almost
1: convinced me he was an actor. Well, he was... <laughs> He's shockingly good in this he film. Is.
2: He was nominated, wasn't he? Uh,
1: I think he was. Or if yeah. he wasn't, he should have been. Man. Everybody's at their A game on this film. It is a very extreme film in so many ways and that not only the number of characters they throw at you the number of storylines you follow the amount of information you're getting pushed the fast pace of editing this is a much much quicker film even though it lasted three hours Hmm. as far as shots and cuts and moving in the first half of the film than any other film he's done i think but i still love it i think it's a great film i mean you've got frogs raining down at the end of the film you've got characters all breaking into song midway through the film
2: amazing music by amy yes
1: it is so great movie uh I've watched most of it again the other night and just yeah still was really enthralled by it so I don't think I'd made that recommendation before I know I've mentioned it when we talked about Paul Thomas Anderson in the past it's not my favorite of his still I still love Boogie Nights better Hmm. but this one after another viewing keeps jumping up on my list of uh
2: Magnolia is definitely my favorite of his yeah um John it, C.
1: Riley really yeah, good in this film and
2: made pretty much made Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think. Yeah, he his role was a lot.
1: His role was a fairly small role in the film compared to the others, but I think it was the first time people really got a look at him yeah. and really seeing him act and get a, a, a meaty role to work on. Yeah, good. I,
2: I remember. I'll say one thing too. I remember it came out at the same time as American Beauty. I believe the same year. Not mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a been. And it struck me because both had different for some reason they seemed very similar, like exploring like the American life. And it was like American Beauty was the more homogenized, non-risk taking version. I still yeah. like the movie okay, and then Magnolia was this sprawling, I mean, crazy masterpiece. Crazy. And I just loved it. It's just the
1: whole theme of the film is people, the connections and the coincidences and the things that ramifications of one encounter have on another and mm-hmm. it's just this sprawling patchwork of characters and people and you may get halfway through it, like somebody in my household that was watching it with me. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. said it's like I don't, I don't see the point. Hmm. And I could see people saying that after about halfway through the movie, I don't see the point of the film. And it's really just what they're trying to get across. What P.T. Anderson's trying to do is this whole idea of things are connected. There are co- coincidences we can't explain. There are connections that we don't always see on the surface that do have impacts on one another. And when you look at it from that bird's eye view, you see those connections and they start to make sense. But then you can also throw completely random things that have <laughs> no connection to anything on in Frogs. their way. And everybody has a shared experience from that. Right. So anyway, I really like it. Um, cool. I'm glad to know you do too. I think I knew that already. Okay, Chris, we have talked a good while. We've covered okay. a lot of ground. We talked about <laughs> took a couple films, uh, gave some reviews. We uh, talked about some remakes that should or should not be considered right now by <laughs> Hollywood, but nice. I don't know if they'll be listening to this episode. Maybe mm-hmm. take our advice. I don't know. Maybe we'll you see. You never know. Maybe we'll see the number of remakes decrease over the next few years. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, My name's Alan, and this is Chris. We're, again, with uh, Foot Candle Film Society, which is the group that kind of helps support this podcast. We do film screenings in the Catawba Valley area uh, at least on a monthly basis at our local theater and uh, have a, a large membership of people that we enjoy watching films with. And then, of course, we do this show here on the Mesh Network. TheMesh.TV is the website. You can go to see all of the Mesh shows. You can see our back episodes. You can see episodes of other shows. Uh, They're all available for free online to view, listen to, Uh, subscribe on iTunes. We would love to get some more feedback on our iTunes page. For foot candle films just do a search in itunes for foot candle you will find our show and subscribe to it and then feel free to give us a star rating and also write a review if you'd like we'd love to hear from you there and of course you can drop us a line at info at the for uh, any emails questions feedback your own uh, reviews of films we'd love to hear from you so until next time we will look forward to talking to you then uh, again i'm alan this is chris with foot candle films take care
2: See in the ticket line. Watch films out of the reverence of the heritage of an art. Watch films through the courtesy of Footcandle
0: Film Society. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com.